Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special episode of Glass City Game Time. My name is Corey Christen, and this is an emergency podcast of sorts. As the Big Ten Conference announced on Thursday that all fall sports will be conference only, the Big Ten issued a statement saying, quote, We are facing uncertain and unprecedented times and the health, safety, and wellness of our student-athletes, coaches, game officials, and others associated with our sports programs and campuses remain our number one priority. To that end, the Big Ten Conference announced today that if the conference is able to participate in fall sports, men's and women's cross-country, field hockey, football, men's and women's soccer, and women's volleyball, based on medical advice, it will move to conference-only schedules in those sports, end quote. So with that said, there are plenty of reactions to be had with it. And in this podcast, we will be having two guests joining me. First, it will be Ashley Bastock, who covers Michigan athletics for the Blade. And then we will talk to Nick Petrovich, who covers Bowling Green State University for the Blade. The Big Ten Conference going to conference only means that a number of mid-American conference schools are missing out on non-conference football games for Bowling Green State University, who had Ohio State and Illinois on their schedule. That's a $2 million loss, and Nick will explain all of that later on. But first, we welcome in Ashley Bastock, again, the Michigan reporter for The Blade. Ashley, thanks for joining us. And first off, what was your reaction when you heard that the Big Ten was going to a conference-only schedule here in the fall? So I will say that while I don't think this is necessarily a for sure indication that there isn't going to be fall sports or college football, my first reaction was this feels a lot like March 11th when the Big Ten announced that there wouldn't be fans at its conference basketball tournament. And then over the next 24 hours, it was just shoe drop after shoe drop. It went from no fans to no tournament at all to no NCAA tournament, to no spring or winter sports championships. So my first reaction was this could very well be the first shoe to drop, or I guess the second shoe to drop if you consider the Ivy League um, announcing it won't have any sports for the rest of 2020 to be the first shoe. Um, But especially reading the press release from the Big Ten, uh, the last sentence of it says, and I have it pulled up in front of me, so I'm just going to quote it directly, uh, as we continue to focus on how to play this season in a safe and responsible way, based on the best advice of medical experts, we are also prepared not to play in order to ensure the health, safety, and wellness of our student-athletes should the circumstances so dictate. So, I mean, they're being very upfront that this move to play conference only, which I'll also say I think we all expected at this point. Like, I, for months, have not expected that I was going to be going to Seattle the first weekend of September um, to cover Michigan versus Washington. Uh, But that sentence at the end of the release shows me that this is something they're even thinking about, obviously, later on, hearing Gene Smith say at Ohio State that he was very concerned there would be a season was also a big eye-opener. So um, I have to say my first impression of this was definitely – not a good one, but I also feed that it doesn't obviously necessarily mean that I am right or that I can predict the future, but just given what we went through, you know, uh, four months ago, it's hard to think of this as a positive sign. I guess the only real positive is 
that it shows that the Big Ten is willing to make concessions and make dramatic concessions to try to preserve a season. And when the Big Ten makes a move like this, a lot of ears do perk up. This is one of the Power Five college football and NCAA Division I conferences. You have marquee matchups. You mentioned Michigan and Washington. That was supposed to kick the season off. You also got Ohio State and Oregon. There's plenty of matchups that Big Ten schools planned on playing this year. Now, obviously, we won't get any of that. And I do echo that sentiment where it feels like this is one of the first dominoes to fall. You mentioned that statement, too. It's almost like they're leaving that door cracked open as well to say, well, we went and said this on July 9th, so later if, in fact, the season does get canceled or even pushed to the spring, they can refer back to the last sentence of that statement that you read and say, hey, we left that door open and we have every right to do this. Right, exactly. And, I mean, I think their biggest thing that you get from uh, hearing the Big Ten talk about it and, again, like hearing Gene Smith talk about it yesterday and reading the quotes that he told the Ohio State beat is, you know, I think they really are making a point to say we are prioritizing safety. And you saw that at Ohio State this week. They had a number of positive tests. Obviously, we don't know the exact number, but they had a number of positive athletes test positive for coronavirus this past week, and they, they scrapped all voluntary workouts. So I think that is, I don't know if you want to call it a silver lining, but the conference is making it very clear that they are taking the safety of these athletes very seriously. And obviously I think that's something you have to do if you want to, you know, especially considering these players are all amateurs, which, you know, we hear time and time again from the NCAA. Well, well, now is the time to prove that. Now is the time to prove and justify, you know, you've said this for years about why you don't want to get into the business of paying athletes. Now is the time to treat them like they are amateurs, like our student athletes. And like you said, I think they really are leaving the door open to, you know, say, we left ourselves some wiggle room here. We did not guarantee a season. Um, and obviously, I think given the ever-changing nature of this pandemic, that's what you have to do. Ward Manuel, the athletic director at Michigan, and even Jim Harbaugh, obviously the head coach, they've been very vocal and very open about the dialogue regarding the upcoming season whether it's about the player's safety or it's about even when Manuel, I believe he was the first athletic director to publicly say no students on campus equals no fall sports. And that stuck out to me so much when you have, again, a power five athletic director speaking strong words like that, that should resonate within the country. How have you perceived how Manuel and even Harbaugh have handled this situation as it is very much a fluid one? My perception has been that Michigan has been remarkably consistent with that. Like, we've heard that from just about everyone at the school who's talked about it, from, like you said, Ward Manuel to Harbaugh to the university president, Mark, Mark Schlickel. Um, they have all said that and all, you know, have said, I mean, Jim Harbaugh said this week, like, if students are on campus and we've deemed that it's safe enough for them to be on campus, then I'll feel comfortable because I'll know that while they're here, we're doing everything possible to mitigate the spread. Um, and, and I think we've seen that with the student athletes that came back to Michigan. I think uh, President Schlissel did a discussion or a town hall type thing today on Friday and said that only two additional athletes have tested positive uh, since arriving back to campus on June 15th. So that brings Michigan's total to like four student athletes. 
Now, not every school is in that position. Again, I mentioned Ohio State this week had to stop voluntary workouts. We see multiple programs around the country have to stop or cancel voluntary workouts due to a number of positive tests. So, um, obviously, the issue is much bigger than it is at Michigan. Uh, but, but I think speaking specifically to Michigan, they've been really transparent in that regard when it comes to the importance of students being on campus. Um, the other big point word manual made uh, a few weeks ago in meeting with the media is that it, there's no real way, he thinks, to isolate athletes, to create a bubble like the you know professional sports leagues are doing. Uh, and a big part of that, like I was talking about earlier, goes back to their amateur status, um, it not being fair or to isolate them from the rest of the student body and for them to make a huge sacrifice like that when, again, they are student athletes. So um, the transparency there, I think, has been largely impressive, especially when you consider um, things that are happening at other institutions um, and some comments that other coaches have made. Uh, I think Michigan has handled it really, really well so far. We're going to hear from our colleague Nick Petrovich here shortly on the Mid-American Conferences side of this because there are financial impacts that these decisions are going to have on the individual schools within the conference. You obviously covering Michigan and very closely intertwined with what's going on in their athletic department. What's the economic fallout do you foresee with all of these decisions that are being made? And we can obviously only speak right now for just getting rid of non-conference games. But what do you see as the economic impact on all of this? So the big thing, I think, depends on what's in the school's contracts. So, like, I think, you know, our colleague Kyle Rowland tweeted out about the Ohio State contract with Bowling Green and Buffalo, or maybe it was Nick, I'm not sure, uh, that these contracts cover things like a pandemic in theory that would mean that these bigger schools aren't at fault and aren't obligated to pay that money to uh, these mid-major opponents that they maybe had set up. So, uh, obviously, I think that's a huge deal, a huge implication uh, for these MAC schools when it comes to how much of their budget comes from playing these huge games. And uh, I'll let Nick speak on that a little bit more since that's his beat. But uh, the big thing for me is that these Big Ten schools are still going to be facing massive losses. I mean, when Ward Manuel talked at a recent Board of Regents meeting, he said, he was projecting a like $26.1 million deficit for their athletic department this year. Uh, that's going to be really hard to mitigate for the big dogs like Michigan, who is a historic program. Uh, that's going to be really difficult, but a lot of it goes to lost ticket revenue and things like that. I think it was, I don't have the figure in front of me, uh, but it was millions of dollars in lost ticket revenue. And that's, you know, assuming there aren't going to be fans if there is a season. Um, the interesting thing, and we thought in the spring, is while Michigan lost a lot of revenue due to that, uh, they actually made a slight profit still given their operating costs. So if you have fewer operating costs, that can kind of mitigate some of the damage if there's not a season. Uh, but it's dicey. I mean, I think all of these schools are going to be feeling this, and it's not just going to be the small schools who are really going to be feeling it. But, um, you know, I think when Ohio State met with reporters yesterday, they said, you know, we're not – talking about cutting salaries or programs at this time, but other big schools are doing that. Stanford just cut 11 varsity sports, so um, it's not out of the question, and none of these programs are out of the woods. There's just still so much that's unknown. Based on what we do know right now, and based on the trends that we've seen lately, 
on a scale of one to ten, one being there's no way in bloody hell we're having a season this year, and ten being play ball, what do you feel is the number on the scale that we are going to have a college football season this year? I have to be honest, I am after after Thursday, I'm probably at like a three or four. It's like I am not too confident that it's going to happen. I, I just don't know. I mean, beyond things really picking up and numbers really falling when it comes to positive coronavirus tests. Um, I think what's going to happen is we're going to see situations like at Ohio State this week become more and more common, like where workouts or practices, whatever, are stopped because student athletes are testing positive. Um, the biggest question for me is, you know, how, how long is the NCAA going to leave a decision up to conferences? You know, like, are, are they going to eventually just kind of take over and say, we're scrapping a season, or are they going to leave it up to conferences? Uh, it should be really interesting to kind of see how that all plays out. But, um, yeah, I definitely, I'm not too confident right now. That, of course, kind of contingent on whether science catches up and there's a very viable method of treatment or there is a vaccine. We don't know what the science advancements are quite yet on it, but what we can go off of right now is that even Gene Smith at Ohio State, the athletic director, said it. He went from cautiously optimistic to pretty unsure right now, and that's really how we're all kind of feeling, especially after the big announcement from the Big Ten. Um, Ashley, thanks for the few minutes here. We appreciate it. We know you're hard at work all over this story. Uh, where can we find you on social media to stay in touch on this? You can find me on Twitter at AshleyBastock42, and then, of course, I'll plug the Toledo Sports Twitter account as well, just at Toledo Sports. There you go. Michigan beat reporter Ashley Bastock joining us here on Glass City Game Time. We're talking about the Big Ten Conference going to a conference-only schedule for the fall, and that includes football. So with that, now we bring in Blade Sports writer Nick Petrovich. He covers Bowling Green State University Athletics, and he's all over the Mid-American Conferences side regarding this situation. And Nick, I'll start off with you the same way I did with Ashley. What was your reaction when you heard this announcement from the Big Ten yesterday? I wasn't surprised, to be honest with you, by the decision. I was surprised by the timeline. The fact that it happened this early, I thought was, unusual um and it seems as if a lot of the other conference commissioners felt that way too i know john steinbrecher from the mac said that he was uh he was surprised it was this early the commissioner of the sec said he was surprised it was this early but uh we're coming up on the point where decisions are going to have to start to get made as we're talking today uh training camps are scheduled to open about a month from today so you need to have the work in lead out or the excuse me the lead in to of working out before you even start practicing. And then, you know, that's a whole new can of worms. Um, I think this is probably, this is probably not over. Uh, I would be surprised to be honest with you if we have anything close to a full fall football season, but this, this is the first step. So with the big 10 going to conference only football, this is kind of a reaction to the Ivy league saying they're canceling all fall sports. Looking at the Mid-American Conference, you wrote about it for today's edition of The Blade, how a lot of these schools, in fact, I think every MAC school has a Big Ten game on their calendar this year. For Bowling Green State University, there's two games. There's Ohio State and Illinois. The economic impact is so significant. Can you just kind of talk about the money aspects to all these Mid-American Conference schools losing out on these Big Ten games? 
there's a perception, uh, a misperception about football in general that I think a lot of people have to say, well, the football program pays for everything else. That's true at Ohio State. That is not true of schools in the MAC. Every one of these schools is already operating at a loss. Taking these guarantee games is one of the ways they offset them. So Bowling Green was scheduled to make 1.2 mil from Ohio State, another million from Illinois. What Bowling Green sells in tickets in a year from every single ticket from every single sport is about a million dollars. And considering the losses that they already faced just for the whole coronavirus, the whole coronavirus nightmare where they were asked to trim about $2 million off the budget, here's another $2.2 million that you might not, might not get that a contract you might just tear up. Um, who knows? The, the legal ease will be interesting, but it's essentially they were just given the same directive that they were given from the university where you thought you were going to have X, you're actually going to have Y, and then now this happens, and it's like, no, actually, you're going to Z. So it was uh, – th- this is not chump change. Bowling Green uh, makes – to spend their – to fund their entire athletic department, it depends on the year, but in most years, about 26 or $27 million. So losing $2.2 million in the span of an afternoon, yeah, they're going to feel that. People that might have been following this story and these developments – have probably seen the phrase force majeure. Can you explain what that is? Yeah. Um, every single one of the non-conference contracts comes with a bunch of directives. There's a, all kinds of things that they agree to, often uh, all the way down to a mascot. Most contracts stipulate that you can only bring one mascot. So in Bowling Green's case, that means you got to pick between Freddie and Frida. But the other things that you talk about in a contract are what happens if the game is not played? Um, what happens if someone wants to liquidate it? There's all kinds of clauses. One of them is what happens if you know something beyond someone's control happens. Um, in the Ohio State Bowling Green contract, it's basically deemed almost like an insurance company would call an act of God. Something beyond the other, something beyond the control of either program the contract is then torn up. The Illinois contract explicitly mentions epidemics as being one of the causes to cancel a game. Now, the where you get into the legal weeds is Ohio State could say, "Hey, we have a you know a, a health crisis going on globally. Uh, it's probably not the best idea to play football," and they could then back out. However, they're also at this point still planning on playing nine games. What does that mean for this contract? I don't have the answer. I don't think Bowling Green's general counsel has the answer at this moment. But I would imagine for some of these contracts between the group of five schools and at this point the Big Ten, which is the only conference that has gone to conference only, you might be looking at a legal battle because if you're saying that, well, we can't play this game September 5th uh, because, because of the pandemic, uh, these two schools are 118 miles apart, but actually the next week we can fly to New Jersey to play Rutgers, and then a couple weeks after that we can drive literally through Bold Green on the way to East Lansing. I, I think there might be uh, there might be a bone to pick there. However, I don't know if that's actually going to come to pass. 
Gene Smith from Ohio State, the athletic director, said that he's working on rescheduling games. Obviously, that doesn't help any of the Mac schools now. But, yeah, there's, there's a, lot of, uh, a lot of getting into the legal jungle here with this. So let's say Bowling Green versus Ohio State doesn't happen. Let's say that the contract favors Ohio State. Is Ohio State liable to pay Bowling Green? Yeah, if they if Ohio State is determined that if, if if it even comes to this and we're in the cart well before the horse, if mm-hmm. a court determines well you played nine games so there's no reason you couldn't have played this one, it would probably fall to liquidated damages. Most of the time it doesn't come to that because the two schools can come to an agreement. But uh, every other instance I have of this wasn't the pandemic. It was you know we got an, another game that we liked better and we wanted to pay our way out of it. It happened with the Bowling Green Maryland series where it was supposed to be a two for one where Bowling Green went out there twice. Maryland came here once and then Bowling Green actually bought its way out of the third game because they got a school record payday from Texas A&M. So then they basically went to the table with Maryland and said, you know, what does it take to buy our way out of the state? There's going to be a lot of those conversations happening in the next couple of weeks for sure. Bowling Green Athletic Director Bob Moosebrugger was quoted. He said, the decision by the Big Ten is the tip of the iceberg. When we talked to Ashley in this few minutes ago, she mentioned that what happened with the Big Ten feels like March 11th when the dominoes, so to speak, started to fall and you saw the sports world slowly come to a stop. Do you feel the same way about the Big Ten shedding its schedule to conference only? Do you feel like this could just be getting the ball rolling on other avenues for college football? Yeah, absolutely. Because other conferences are going to start getting pressured into making other decisions. And the thing I think a lot of people are selling short is this is so interconnected. If as a division, they decide the national um, junior college football is not happening in the fall. If let's say FCS wants to do it, you're now impacting quite a few FBS schedules. If you have, for example, the, I don't know, the Sun Belt says we're doing conference only, then you're losing games bit by bit by bit, and it's just drip, 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 drip. And that felt the Ivy League saying that they were not playing in the fall, I think, was the first one. So when you start losing all of these games, I, I honestly have no idea what the first four weeks of the season could look like. I mean, you had you have three schools in the MAC that if the fall season is indeed played, just lost half their non-conference schedule. So you have Bowling Green, Northern Illinois, at least Central Michigan, with the other playing two Big Ten teams, where you're already you're down to ten games and your two most lucrative games. So what does that mean for those two schools? It's not like I don't think you can find a game this quickly at the point where you're you know a month away from two months away from the season and you say, all right, well we need to get a football game. That's not how it works in football. Football contracts are drawn up five, six, sometimes ten years in advance. Real quick, because you also wrote a story about Bowling Green and their workouts. Their continuing voluntary workouts and mandatory workouts are expected to begin relatively soon. Now, Wood County recently moved into a quote-unquote red county, as dictated by Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, which basically means it's a high-exposure area for the spread of the coronavirus. What's the vibe going around the Bowling Green football and the athletic department right now? They feel strongly that 
they can get through this portion. And I think they're probably right. They're keeping everyone fairly separate. Um, the guys are lifting in groups of about 10 or 15, and they, they moved literally every piece of equipment out of their weight room in the SIBO center, which is connected to the football facility. It's right there. And they moved all of it across Mercer Road to Joint Perry Fieldhouse. So to spread it out and give them more room. And they're only in groups 10 or 15. Next week, the plan is to run outdoors and use all of the field in groups of about 30. All of that they can probably do. And however, when they get to the training camp, Scott Lowder, I thought, was brutally honest about this yesterday when I talked to him. He said, I just think it's impossible to do this with a contact sport. When you then have 85 kids that are practicing for football, there is just no way you can avoid the contact part of it. For the next month, I think they have a good plan, but and they're not going to get the team together at all for the next month. But then if it comes to pass where you're, the fall season is a go, that portion of it, I don't know that anybody has an answer for it. Just as I started the interview with you with the same question I asked Ashley, I'll end the interview with the same question I asked Ashley. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being there's no way in hell we have a season this year, and 10 being play ball. Where are you on the scale based on what we know? Two. I just don't think. I just don't think it's going to be able to happen with a, with all 50 states, given that we're all in different scenarios. But if we get to the point where, having a conversation with someone yesterday, let's say in the Big 12 that, you know, Texas pulls out. In the Pac-12, Arizona pulls out. And the California schools say no football in the fall. Well, how do you make this work? Once you have, once you start losing the connections between conferences, and you have half or less of a conference that's willing to play a football season, it no longer becomes viable. And it seems with each passing day that we're just we're not anywhere near as close as we need to be. It's a scary thing to think that we might not have a college football season this year, but that's all a result of actions and reactions, as you mentioned. It's a statewide issue and. It's hard to get everybody on the same page, so hopefully that now that the Big Ten has made this move and the Ivy League made their move, we do see a lot of precautions for safety. Uh, Nick, we know you're very busy covering this story and the developments around it. Where can we find your social media to stay tuned on all of the updates? Yeah, uh, most of my BG coverage, actually all of my BG coverage comes from my uh, Twitter account, Nick P. Blade. Um, I do all my my BG stuff from that account. So I'll be covering pretty much everything going down um, with them and from the Mac at large there. There you go, Nick. Thanks for the time again. We'll talk to you pretty soon here. And congratulations on fatherhood, by the way. I hope everything's going well with the wife and your newborn. It's good. I'm sleeping a lot less, but I, I've lived so far to tell about it. That's a fair price to pay, I'd say. Well, I can't speak for fathers because I'm not one, but I would say that's a fair price to pay. Nick, thanks again. We appreciate it. Yep, thanks, Corey. There you go. That's Nick Petrovich. He covers Bowling Green State University Athletics for the Blade. Thanks again to Ashley, and thanks once again to Nick for sharing their knowledge on this situation. And you heard it from them both. Ashley at about a three or a four. Nick at about a two on the scale of whether there's going to be a college football season or not. And we shall see. Again, it feels like this is going to be the tip of the iceberg, just as Bob Moosebrugger said it 
and we'll see what the further developments are as we continue on here into the summer months. Thank you for listening to this special episode of Glass City Game Time. If you enjoyed the show or want to go back to listen to previous episodes of this podcast, there are multiple ways to do so. You can find us every week on ToledoBlade.com, on Blade News Slide, and on various podcasting outlets. You can find us on Google Play, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Just search Glass City Game Time, and you will find us. This week, we published an episode with Christine Brennan. She's a columnist for the USA Today and a commentator for CNN. And she's also a Toledo native, a product of Ottawa Hills. And we went a solid one hour about all of these social topics floating around the sports world, about kneeling for the national anthem, the Washington Redskins and the Cleveland Indians nicknames, and President Trump's role in all of this as of late. We appreciate you checking that out. And if you have not subscribed yet, please consider doing so. That goes a lot further than you might think. So, for Ashley Bastock and for Nick Petrovich, my name is Corey Christen. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. 